Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. You were created for God's pleasure. That's what I'm going to preach to you today. Psalm 96, verse 4. The Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Anywhere that you can say amen here, it's okay. He is feared, he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Give unto the Lord, O kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory that is due his name. And bring an offering and come into his courts. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. And then one more verse. Psalm 29 and 2. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. God bless you. You may be seated. Today I'm going to preach a message that hopefully will make a difference in your life and give you a better understanding of our relationship as it is intended with God. I'm going to ask Brother Meyer today to be my reader, and so we're going to begin in Genesis 1 and 26. Brother Meyer, if you'd read that, please. And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. When God created us, we were created in his image, but not yet in his likeness. I'm interested in knowing what God likes. How about you? I'm interested in knowing what pleases God. So we must desire to be in his likeness. This is a difficult message to preach today. I'm just being honest with you. This is a message that really only a senior pastor can deliver to his congregation. And these are not the kind sometimes that you like to preach, but these are the kind that need to be preached. And when I struggled with this and I told the Lord that it was gonna be difficult for me, on my walk he said these words, let the word do the work. Let the word do the work. I wish I could be invisible today. And if you listen to this on a a CD, you'll get even more out of it than if you could see me while I'm preaching it to you today. I've placed a mirror in front of the pulpit today because I want each of us, every one of us, to take a look at ourselves and see what God sees. Sometimes we only see other people because our eyes are looking outward. But today I want you to take a deep, deep look 
at yourself, inwardly and outwardly. Have you noticed there's a likeness between a husband and his wife in a seasoned marriage? I have. I've noticed that being married to my wife for over 48 years, we tend to think alike. We act alike. You know, after a while, you even have some similarities in your features, in particular your faces, when you look at a family picture. And I've noticed also that we even dress to please each other. If I pay her a compliment on a dress, I've noticed that that goes to the front of the rack. If she compliments a shirt, that goes to the front of my rack. Because we want to please one another. In the Old Testament, God did his work, his work of holiness, from the out toward the in, the out toward the in. So today I'm going to make a few comparisons between the Old Testament and the New Testament. He gave Israel laws, commandments, principles of instruction that were to exist between him and each other. He gave these laws and ordinances for two reasons. Number one, to keep his people separated to him. Separated to him. Sometimes we think when we hear the word separation that what that means is we're to be separate from the world. But I'm going to tell you what I think it means. I think we need to be separated to, not just from. We need to be separated to someone. And in this case, it's Jesus Christ. So the separation was one reason, separated to him. And the second reason was to keep peace and harmony with each other. All of these laws and ordinances have to do with relationships exclusively. If you go home today and you take a look at the Ten Commandments, they are all relational to either God or to one another. Matthew chapter 22, 36 through 40. Brother Meyer. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. I like things to be shortened up. Maybe I, I just don't have a long enough attention span. But did you hear what we just heard? I can summarize the law and the prophets in two commandments. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. All of these things are so that you can interact with each other in a pleasing fashion. These laws also included conduct, the way a person was to conduct themselves, the way they were supposed to speak, the way that they were supposed to give. It included prayer, the way they were supposed to pray, and it even included their attire. Deuteronomy 22.5. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. 
for all that do so are an abomination unto the Lord thy God. Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. Leviticus 20 and 13. If a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. I could go on and on and on and on and on. But the point is, there are some things that God just will not tolerate. Because our God is holy, holy, holy. And only those that live in holiness can stand before him. Death in this case, for the breaking of these laws or these commandments, was both physical and spiritual. The outward consecrations were the source of their power. They could brag about their closeness to God because everybody saw it. They saw them on the corners praying and using many words. They knew when they were fasting because they weren't washing themselves and they looked all shrinkly and rivelly and and that was because, well, I'm fasting, I'm, I'm spiritual, look at my outside. They made a big parade when they gave their offerings of tithes and generous offerings. It was all outward stuff that proved that they were holy. Probably one of the greatest examples of this was Samson. Samson took a Nazarite vow And because of this vow, there were three primary things that he was not allowed to do. Number one, he was not allowed to touch any dead thing. Number two, he was not allowed to cut his hair at all. Number three, he was not allowed to drink any alcoholic beverage. In this case, it would be fermented wine. Do you know he was so careful about that that they didn't even eat grapes or raisins because they didn't want to get anywhere near the border of what was considered to be their consecration. All of these things were different than the rest of the people were. The rest of the people didn't have these vows, but that was a part of their consecration. Thus Israel's holiness was external and seen of men. 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as a man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Wow. Look at how much God see. Now, I'm not going to leave this verse alone for a minute. I think this is a really an important verse in the Bible. God doesn't see as man sees. Man looketh on the outward appearance. We should be concerned about that. I said we should be concerned about that. We are the ambassadors. We are the bride of Christ. They're looking for someone to be an example to them. And outward is their first impression. They can't see your heart. 
Say, well, the way I conduct myself is my holiness. That's only a part of it. They must see a first impression. But God can see even beyond that first impression. It does not say that God does not look on the outward. He clothes the bride of the church. If the outward didn't matter, we wouldn't be talking about that. It matters. But God can see what man can't see. He knows where you live. He knows what you think. He knows the desires of your heart. He hears your words. He sees your actions. You can get away with it with people that can't see your appearance. But we don't get away with anything when it comes to God. So let me go into the New Testament. Let's compare the old and the new. In the New Testament, God does it differently. He goes from the in to the out. From the in to the out. God has given us his holy word. We call it a holy Bible. Can somebody say amen? amen. This is the holy it's not just a Bible, it's not just a book, it's not, a whole, it's not just a book, it's a holy, holy book. It is the manual of life. Let me explain something to you. The spirit and the word must agree. So somebody can say to you, well I just feel in the spirit that this is what God wants for my life. How does that match up with the word of God? Because if we're only spirit, we can become spiritualists. And if we're only biblical, we can become legalists. So we have to have an agreement between the spirit and the word. It's what keeps us in balance. Because there are many spirits in the world. You have a human spirit. There are demonic spirits. And there is the Holy Spirit. So how do we know for sure that we're hearing from the right spirit? Does it match the word of God? And if it does not match the word of God, it's the wrong spirit. So God gives us his holy word. Then he fills us with what is called the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost so that we can live holy lives. Doesn't that make sense? So that we can live holy lives. Now God became the one and only holy sacrifice for your sins and mine. He was without sin. He was the perfect Lamb of God. He was holy. Holy. And if that's not a demonstration of how much he loves you, I don't know what else he can do. That's how much he loves you. A holy God. Can you imagine this? For just a moment, a holy God 
perfect, allows himself to be put in a human form after your likeness and come to this earth and be subject to all that you are subject to and then lays down his life on a cross, sheds his blood, holy blood, for your sins and mine, because he loves you. That's it. Why would you do that? We are the offenders. While we were yet sinners, Christ loved us and died for us the holy for the unholy. The king of kings and the Lord of lords for the servants, the rebellious servants. Boy, I don't know. I, that testimony I heard on Wednesday night took me back. I could relate to everything that Brother Dredska said. We all got our own set of sins. Somebody said Amen. We need a holy God. So he becomes this holy sacrifice. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But ye are washed, yes. but ye are sanctified, yes. but ye are justified yes. in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. There's the new birth message, folks. There it is. Did you see yourself in there somewhere? Do you remember where you were when God found you, when God called you? When the goodness of God led you to repentance? Do you remember the day that you came to the altar feeling so unclean and so unholy, yet desirous of knowing God, of walking with God, of pleasing God? Do you remember that day? Do you remember the day that you were lowered under the waters of baptism and all of your sins were washed away? Do you remember the day that you lifted up your hands and God filled you with his Holy Spirit because you didn't have the power to live holy without his spirit? Do you remember the day? Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That's how we're justified. By the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. We're not holy because we've got our act together. We're holy because God makes us holy. Because God changes our lives. Changes our lives. John 14, 15 through 20. If ye love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Hmm. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, 
ye shall live also. All that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. And I in you. If all you got was just that much, I in you. My pastor told me this. He said, Rick, you don't get good to get God. You get God and God makes you good. You don't earn anything. Well, if I can get my act together, God will be pleased with me and we'll be able to, no, no. I just come to God like a lump of clay and say, God, here I am. Whatever you can make out of this life for your glory and your honor, have at it. I just submit myself to the potter. That's all I do. And God makes this brand new vessel. It's amazing what God can do. I wish we had time to hear everybody's testimony today of where you were and who you were before God got a hold of you. When I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he filled me to the uttermost, it makes me want to shout. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. To you belongs the glory. See, we have been recreated, recreated for his glory and for his pleasure. Revelations chapter four. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him and they were full of eyes within and they rest not day and night saying, holy, 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 Lord God almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive yes. glory and honor and power. Yes. For thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. For thy pleasure. For thy glory. The man Christ Jesus Shortly before he's crucified, his humanity is in that garden, folks. We don't get to hear the prayer because the disciples were sleeping. We only get to hear the last part of his prayer. And when he gets to the last part of his prayer, after he's stated his case and all of his concerns, and all of his desires, he concludes his prayer this way. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Boy, that's a tough prayer. Because we've all got a will. Not my will, but thine be done. What an example he has given us of how to live and conduct ourselves. When the, they called them beasts earlier, addressed him, notice what they said about him. Holy. They didn't say love, love, love. 
They didn't say mercy, 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 grace, grace, grace. No, they said holy. That's his nature. That's his likeness. We got the image. We're working on the likeness. And he's holy. Just as Israel is God's Old Testament people, we are the New Testament bride. I want to bring this together and wrap this up for you today. We are the New Testament bride. Although when we think of a bride, we think of the female gender, in heaven there will be no male or female. But the bride will be there. And in one sense, we are the submissive ones. I'm a man, I don't submit to anybody. The women submit, no. As the bride of Christ, we submit to God and to the authorities that he places over our life. That's part of holiness. That's part of holiness. New Testament bride. Listen to this, 1 Peter 1.16. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. So if you think that it's okay for God to be holy and you don't need to be, you're already separated. How can two walk together except they be agreed? That's why he said, be ye holy. I want you to be holy. Why? Because I'm holy. And you're my bride. Oh, man. What a privilege. What an honor it is to be the bride of Christ. Who am I to be in the family of God? I, sometimes I feel so unworthy. But it's God that makes us worthy. It's God that makes us holy. All he needs is our co-operation. And we need an operation. That's why he gives us a new heart. Come on now. That's why he gives us a new heart, a new spirit, a new mind. Because he wants the old one to be put away so that the new one can be holy. Holy. Holy unto the Lord. Hebrews 12 and 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. How many of you want to see Jesus? Oh, I want to see him? Then I need to be holy. Because without holiness, I don't get to see him. Here's another thought, it's not my thought. But without your holiness, remember how we read 1 Samuel 16 and 7? Man looketh on the outward. Let's take a look at this verse that was just read. Without holiness, no man will see the Lord. How will the world see holiness if it doesn't see it in the bride of Christ? They can't see it. So without our holiness, no man gets to see God's holiness. And without our holiness, we don't get to see the Lord. Man, that's great preaching. Amen. That's good preaching, brother. 
That, that must be the anointing that you prayed for today for your pastor. Thank you for that. Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Wow. There it is. Present your... God doesn't care about your body. God doesn't care about the outside. Wait a minute. That's not what this says. Present your bodies, what we can see. A living sacrifice. Holy. Acceptable. One translation says, which is your reasonable act of worship. Here's the separation in the second verse. And be not conformed unto this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove, prove it. We have to prove our Christianity. Somebody said amen. We have to prove it. They have to see it. We have to prove it. What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God if he's holy? 1 Corinthians 6, 19. What? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Hold, hold up here. Where was the purchase? We're bought with a price. Calvary. How strong is Calvary in your life? Do you still have visions of your Lord and Savior on a cross making a sacrifice for you? Not a living sacrifice. We get to be the living sacrifice. We get the light work. He did the heavy lifting. So glorify God in your body, the outward, and your spirit, which is in you, because they belong to God. You're not your own anymore. Here's what I'm saying. We are the New Testament Nazarites. We are the New Testament priests. We are the fulfillment of the law because of what God has done from the inside toward the outside. First Peter chapter two. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but now are the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. 
Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, hmm. having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, hmm. that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. What do they see and what do they hear on the job from us? Because they're always watching. And they're always listening. And a lot of times that fighting against you that is mentioned in this passage is because they want to be convinced that there really is a God and that they can live holy too. Because they don't see it. They've got a veil just like the Jews have over their eyes. 1 Timothy chapter 2. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner also that women adore themselves in modest apparel, which, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Hmm. So let me summarize just this little portion here. Let me summarize outward holiness. It begins with our attitude. Do I have an attitude of gratitude? Am I thankful for Calvary? How much? How far am I willing to go? What will I give God, the God that asks of me? It starts with the attitude. Then it moves to the gender, male or female. And then finally, it concludes with our modesty in the way that we dress and in the way that we conduct ourselves. Brother Dredska said it on Wednesday night. He said, if you want people to be like you, you gotta give them something they'd want to be. But let me talk to you about inward holiness too. Here's what I think inward holiness is. It's giving to others what God has given to me. That's, that's inward holiness. How many of you have been forgiven? Who gave that to you? He gave it to you. You want to know how to keep it? Give it away. Give it away. Whatever you value, the only way you can, how many of you have received mercy? I could go on and on and on. I can use all the buzzwords you want. But whatever you value and you need for this walk with God and whatever you need to be saved, you have to give it to other people or you lose it. How about the man who had a great debt and pleaded with his king to be forgiven and was forgiven by his king and then went out and found somebody with a petty debt and took him to small claims court and wanted him imprisoned. What did he say to that man? I showed you mercy. 
I forgave you a great debt. I spared you and I spared your family. And you went out with your petty difference and grabbed this man by the throat. And, and you want me to throw him in prison? No, he's not going to prison. You are, because you lost it, buddy. Now you're going to pay the full debt. And Jesus said, if you forgive not your trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your trespasses. Inward. Inward holiness. So let me ask this question. Remember, we're looking in the mirror today. Is a person that is holy on the outside but refuses to forgive people, is he holy? You're scared to answer, aren't you? Let me give you the answer. He is not holy. Is a man that doesn't love his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, is he holy? Is a woman that fights with her husband about every little decision, nags him all the time and won't submit to his authority, is she holy? I think you're getting it now. You're quick with your answers. See, holiness is outward and inward. And we don't have to trade one for the other. I said, we don't have to trade one for, well, you know, I'm holy on the inside. Or I'm, I'm holy on the outside. I may have some issues inwardly. I may struggle with this and I may struggle with that. Well, then you need more holy Bible. You need more holy spirit so that you can live a holy life. You can't do this on your own. But what's your desire? Thank you for giving me your attention today. Because as the senior pastor of this church, it's my responsibility to do everything I can to make the bride ready. It's my job. So I'm going to conclude with these passages of Scripture. John 14, 2. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Revelations 19.7 Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. Mm. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Let's stand together, please. We are the bride. Revelations 21, 2 through 4, please. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Mm. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, 
And there shall no more be death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Wow. That's what I'm looking forward to. See, we got to keep our eyes on the finish line. We're not, we make mistakes. No, am I the only one that can say amen to that? We got to get back up and do what's right. Admit when we're wrong. Admit that we need help and desire to be pleasing unto God. Thank you for that. Because the bride hath made herself ready. If the Lord came right now, would he find you to be holy? And if not, what are you going to do about it? I'm not going to, don't play that last song, Sister Kylie. We'll let the musicians play. But I want to give you this. Last thing I'm going to mention. I remember when I first came into the church and I looked around and the people that were around me were so different than I was. I couldn't dress the way they dressed. They dressed so nice, ties and suits and nice dresses. Not, they weren't flashy, but, but they were very dressed up. I watched the way that they worshiped. I watched the way that they weren't afraid to lift their hands and, and they were singing, they weren't humming. And when they'd pray, they all, they all prayed together. They all lifted up their voices together. And I watched the altar services and I said, I don't know if I can ever be like this. But I became that because I put myself in God's hands. I told Pastor Tamil one day, I said, Pastor, I just love these people. And he corrected me. He said, no, Rick. He said, you don't love these people. You love the God that's in these people. We need to stop making it about us. We need to start making it about him. I want to be pleasing to him. I was created for God's pleasure. I am God's helpmate. I am the bride of Christ and I will conduct myself as such. So help me, God. Jesus, thank you for calling us out of darkness. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to know the truth of your word and experience the power of your spirit. Thank you for calling us to be the bride of Christ and to be your ambassadors and example, even mentoring people that are still searching. Help us to take a good look in the mirror today. And if there are changes that need to be made, help us to be willing to make those changes with your help. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God 
and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.